Okay. Uh, how do we start this? <laughs> Welcome. So I, I, I think we, uh, I think we would typically uh, start by introducing ourselves, or one of us would. So I've heard a couple of different openings for podcasts. Okay. There's, there's the I'm, you know, I'm Gina. Yeah. I'm John. And this is Gaming in Real Life. Let's do it. Or there's the one host introduces both people. Let's let's introduce ourselves. Okay. We're we're autonomous beings. <laughs> we are autonomous beings. <laughs> Can that be our subtitle? <laughs> that could be our like feminist little tagline there. <laughs> I'm Gina and I'm John and we're both autonomous beings. Welcome. <laughs> we should just leave this part in here. <laughs> I'm I'm Gina. <laughs> I'm John. You laughed when you said that. You did. You hesitated. I'm, I'm Gina. I'm John. And this is Gaming in Real Life, a podcast about <laughs> board gaming in real life. <laughs> people are just going to listen to this and be like, what kind of drugs are these people on? A podcast um, in which we get real high. And... <laughs> uh, so, John. Well, let's, let's try that. Let's try that okay. again. I'm Gina. And I'm John. And this is Gaming in Real Life. So what is this podcast about? That's a great question, John. Oh, I just, I'm realizing as we're talking how much I laugh. What is this podcast about? Basically, when we were thinking about board gaming podcasts, many of which I love, I think you love. Um, I do? Yeah. There are, there are a lot of amazing podcasts out there that focus on reviewing games, about the process of making games. Um, even some of the history and science behind board gaming, but I felt like the podcast world was missing something. Right, well, and there's a certain kind of conversation that I thought that board game podcasts would often, would have infrequently, like you were saying, the vast majority of podcasts, of a podcast, of a board gaming podcast episode does seem to focus on reviewing the newest games, games that people have recently played. Uh, a lot about re- a lot about novelty, and the burning question seems to be what games are good. But every now and then they would talk about other topics that relate to gaming, and I think those were often some of my favorite discussions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I liked the idea of the title of gaming in real life because board games are so integrally is that the right way to pronounce that integrally integrally no i don't know (laughs) board games just mesh into our lives in really special ways there's something really unique about the role that board games play in our lives and for most of us that's really what makes this hobby so special the fact that it can start friendships that it changes the relationships that we have with people um, Sarah's talking to me. Uh, she lost you. <laughs> I lost my husband. I'll, uh, I'll shoot her a message. <laughs> she didn't lose me. I'm, I know where I'm at. Yeah, exactly. There, there's something that's touched on a lot in many of the podcasts that I listen to, many of the board game websites that I respect. We'll talk about gaming in a broader sense. So they talk about memories associated with gaming or... The, the specific way that games become interlocked in the dynamics that you have with people that create memories or just um, kind of change your relationship with a game in a way that's beyond how much fun you're having or how difficult it is, the puzzle itself. It's 
it's something beyond that. If you know, do you know anything about Gestalt theory? I'm afraid I do not. So um, th this is probably a good <laughs> a good time to introduce sort of our backgrounds mm -hmm. and uh, what makes us not exactly qualified to <laughs> be making this podcast in the first place. Not at all. <laughs> um, so what makes us not really qualified to make this podcast? We're not at all. Not at all. Is that we are just regular fans. We're just enthusiasts um, in a small Midwestern city who fall in love with board games or really have loved board games our whole lives, at least with me, it's something that I grew up with. Um, and we do have kind of unique backgrounds, I guess, that may help f make this conversation flow a little more. So I am, uh, I have a psychology background. Well, I'm currently a graduate student in psychology. I have a master's degree in development and learning sciences, which sounds pretty impressive. <laughs> it does. I'm impressed. You have a master's degree, don't you? I do not. I'm part of the way to a master's degree, and I will finish it when it suits me. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's the way to do it. I think in a lot of states, well, maybe not. I think in Missouri, you have to have a master's degree to be a teacher. That is a sensible uh, rule in a state that pays teachers well. <laughs> What state pays teachers well? Right. That's <laughs> what is this magical state? Which brings me to my profession. I'm a teacher. I teach middle school language arts, which it relates to board gaming for me in that I'm often the person who has to teach a game. I am, in many groups, the game teacher. But also, as a teacher, I am trying to facilitate certain kinds of interactions, and as a person who tries to run and facilitate game nights. I'm really doing the same thing. And I'm interested in, I'm as interested in the way a lesson sort of facilitates, corrals certain kinds of behaviors and interactions with an intended goal. And I think games do the same thing. They, if a good lesson teaches us how to learn, how to work through a problem, perhaps a good board game teaches us how to interact with each other and create lasting memories. But how? Uh, it's a question that I'd like to explore. I think that's going to be the big question in our whole podcast is what's what's so special about games? Have you ever heard about Gestalt theory? I have not. So Gestalt theory is a, a theory in psychology particularly tends to relate to neuroscience, mm -hmm. and it's the idea that the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. So people who believe in Gestalt theory might believe that the brain is bigger than what... The, the brain can't necessarily be reproduced by a computer, mm -hmm. what the brain does. And that there's something special about the human brain that's more than just signals firing. Mm -hmm. And that can also be applied out to other things, like humans are bigger than the sum of their parts. And so it's not just all the aspects of your personality, it's something special about you. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I don't necessarily believe that people are really special snowflakes, but I do think that Gestalt theory, for me, kind of applies to board games. There's something <laughs> bigger than the sum of its parts. It's not just that it's tiles and meeples and rules there's something kind of magical about playing a board game and the relationships and the experiences that you have in a board game that are kind of amazing considering what the components are. Mm -hmm. So that's 
what I want to explore in this podcast. See, I would come at this from a slightly different perspective. I absolutely believe that the human brain could and probably eventually will be recreated through computers. Well, you're actually in the majority. <laughs> most most psychologists don't I, really put a lot of credit into al- Gestalt. Although I have to take issue with you saying that that's not special. It's clearly very special. If Even if it's possible, it's still absolutely remarkable. Yeah. In the same sense, I would suggest that board games also do something incredibly special. The fact that cardboard and rules and plastic uh, can come together to create some of the amazing experiences that we've had with games over the years, that's absolutely remarkable. But there's a way it happens. And I want to know. I want to know why these just simple boxes of cardboard sitting on our shelves are able to do this to us, are able to make us feel emotional connections to them, and are able to make us feel emotional connections to each other over the experiences that we've had with them. Yeah. I think that's a question well worth exploring. That's how we became friends, was through board games. It was. Yeah. Um, We just had a mutual friend who knew that I really liked board games and knew that you liked board games and thought we'd hit it off. You know, if not for board games, I don't think we ever would have spent much time together got to know each other no certainly not well i mean my first memory of meeting you was uh being at so this friend of ours would uh occasionally hijack lecture halls uh, to have karaoke parties as you do um which is about as much details as i'm willing to uh divulge about that (laughs) but at one of these uh karaoke parties i think the first one that we were actually kicked out of i overheard somebody talking about potentially going to gen con dressed as the countess from Coup. the game Coup, which yeah. is a game I very much enjoy, and I thought, huh, one of my people. That's I still haven't <laughs> done that. I need to do that. It's such a good idea, though. You would absolutely pull it off. Curly red hair. Absolutely. Yeah, one of these days. I just, I don't sew, which is a big problem. <laughs> a big problem I, if you want to cosplay. I have the same issue with cosplaying. I have yeah. no interest in putting together a costume. Yeah. Um, but getting back to the name of our podcast, Gaming mm-hmm. in Real Life, so you've touched on the fact that we want to we want to discuss the connections that people have with games, the way that games facilitate connections between people. But I also want to talk about gaming in the context of real life. So um, when I think about reviewers, especially people who are constantly trying new games, I imagine like in my head they kind of live in this other world where they uh, just have games like showering from the sky and. They can make that their whole focus. We have jobs. We have day jobs. We we don't have time or finances to get every new shiny thing. And we also just don't have that same relationship with games, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, everyone has a somewhat unique relationship, especially with particular games. But I want to talk about, you know, how we integrate gaming into our, our everyday lives. I want to talk about how we get our spouses to play games with us, <laughs> which can That's be... That's a big topic. Yeah, maybe we should mention the fact that we're... Well, I, guess, I guess we mention the fact that we're friends. Um, and our spouses do play games with us sometimes, but uh, are not quite as enthusiastic about them as we are. No, this is occasionally a point of contention, at least in uh, in my marriage. Oh, it's... yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I'm trying to drag my husband to all these board game conventions, and he's like, really? Like, I could do it for a day. Maybe two days, but... What do you I mean a Gen- day? Like- I, went Gen- I went to Gen Con. The first year I went to Gen Con, by Sunday he was like, I'm done. <laughs> I can't do this anymore. So I went by myself. 
Yeah, no, whenever Sarah talks about wanting to go to Gen Con, I'm like, okay, but really? Yeah. Really? Is is that actually what you want? It's, yeah. You don't have to say yes. It's <laughs> yeah. But I also want to talk about, you know, issues in gaming related to real life that include things like, um, you know, sexism in gaming. That might be a topic we eventually get to. Almost certainly. Uh, yeah, I mean, it'll probably come up organically if you haven't noticed I am a woman. <laughs> oh, wait, for real? <laughs> this is brand new information. Uh, hang on, and you play board games? I know. I know. I'm really, like, breaking the glass ceiling here. I just feel like you should have disclosed that. <laughs> I also really want to talk about accessibility in gaming. That's something I'm really passionate about. Eventually, we might even talk about board gaming as it relates to families, little people, children. Mm -hmm. <laughs> might make one of those someday. And uh, I want to talk about... God, a million other things. I I feel like there's such a, a rich way that games weave, weave themselves into the tapestry of our lives that um, are often a footnote, and I want them to be the primary conversation. Well, it's interesting because, it, you know, you kind of talked about reviewers living in an alternate world, and I agree. I think that a lot of uh, the writing that is done about games is really kind of influenced by the sort of cult of the new. Yeah. And I think that misses a vital part of the experience of gaming because gaming is not all, you know, for me at least, gaming is not all about the latest game. I mean, new games are nice. They're a lot of fun to explore. But there's, I think, when that's the entire discussion you're having, there's a key part missing about what happens when you have a game collection that you've been playing for a couple of years now and, you know, modifying and cultivating, but there are certain experiences that you have that just don't get covered in a review of a game that you've only been playing for a month. Mm -hmm. Even more than that, when you're having that discussion, I feel like you are going to almost be entirely buried in the rules and not bury, not really addressing the deeper significance of what that game means. I mean, for me, games are a thing that makes friendships. For me, they are something that uh, informs my identity. They are something that I have, they have been the entry point for various communities that I've been a part of at various times. Mm -hmm. There are all these incredible things that games do. I'm totally losing where this thought is going. I... Well, you know, it's funny. Um, so this is going to sound weird when I start out, and then I'll explain it, and it'll sound maybe less weird. I will reserve my judgment. <laughs> um, so a dowry. <laughs> a, a dowry. It does sound weird. <laughs> <laughs> so um, when you think of dowry, you usually think of, like, the eight elephants that you're father gave so that someone would marry you. That actually was not my first thought. <laughs> oh, well, um, or the four cows, but, uh, but dowries also traditionally used to be things that women would make, so they might, like, embroider the tablecloth that they would eventually use in their own home. Um, so it wasn't just, like, money or property that was thrown at the, by the family at the guy that was going to marry you, it was also stuff that you created for your home. And I've always felt that way, kind of, about my books and board games. That they're my dowry, something that I'm creating, that I'm collecting to, to make my home feel richer, feel more like a home, to pass on to my children. Like, that's why I have, like, a thousand books in my house. That's why I have a, a built-in hallway just filled, like, brim 
fill, brimming with board games. It's not just, you know, something to pass on to my kids and that kind of thing, but it's definitely something that I see as an investment into my home. I know exactly how you feel. I mean, I, I look at my board game shelf and I think this is a place where fun happens. Uh, this is this is a place where I can go and I can count on having a good time. And it is comforting to see. I like walking into my door and seeing that there. Yeah. And also, I've had the thought several times that, you know, one day somebody's going to inherit this. And I wonder, I wonder what they'll get out of it. You know, I like the idea that I am, when I'm cultivating a game collection, that I'm cultivating something beyond what's going to happen next Saturday night when we have a game night, this is this is a lasting thing. This yeah. I, I certainly hope it is anyway. There was actually some research recently, and I haven't read the research article itself. I've only seen the highlights in the news. So, you know, take this with a grain of salt. But um, there was a, a study that came out fairly recently that showed that at least the correlation between how much enjoyment that you get out of an experience as compared to um, a, a thing like a a tangible item that you own that experiences are better investments because they tend to bring more lasting joy in your life. Mm -hmm. And I don't look at a board game as an item I experience as something that I can enjoy for an extended period of time. I mean, that's what I'm investing. I'm investing in joy. <laughs> <laughs> it's not just that I see them and I'm like, Oh, I own like, I own like a hundred board games at this point. Mm -hmm. I, I, I sort of counted the other day. I got a little embarrassed and I stopped counting <laughs> um, because I was organizing my preciouses. Um, but I, I do see it like, yeah, it's not just, it's not just a, a collection. It's not like having a bunch of spoons or bells or commemorative plates. And it's not just because it's something that you interact with. It's something that you form attachments to. Mm -hmm. And I, we've talked about this, that I almost view my games as relationships. And some of those relationships are better than others. <laughs> <laughs> no question. Um, but I think that's also why it's so agony for me to decide if I'm going to sell a game. Because I keep thinking, like, maybe, maybe this relationship will get better. Maybe I just haven't given it a fair shot. Oh yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. Letting go of a game that I'm not playing, but also still really like, is a very tough decision. Yeah. It's it's agonizing. Yeah. You always think, oh, I'm going to make time for you. I, it's going to happen. Yeah. Well, and I absolutely like the idea that board games are experiences. Yeah, that they're a better investment, because... Yeah, yeah that's where I was going to go with that, because I've always, you know... I, I've definitely always had a little bit of an impulse to collect things, there's no doubt about it, but I've never really liked collecting things that I wasn't going to use. Yeah. That's always been very important to me. If I'm going to collect something, it's got to be something that actually has a value beyond just having it. Mm -hmm. And board games absolutely have that. Well, and you made a... You said that these are things that produce joy. Yeah. That's just... That's it, isn't it? That is it, but... It's crazy that they do that. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm a graduate student. Um, if you don't know about being a graduate student, it's awful. <laughs> it's really terrible. I think of it kind of like, I've never had a baby, so uh, maybe this will not be a good analogy, and I just don't know yet. But I imagine it's kind of like being pregnant. Like, there's a period of misery, at least near the end. Uh, it's like It's like being pregnant for four to six years. 
So you know, like, the outcome of it is great, because you get, like, a kid, or, you know, you mm -hmm. get a PhD. <laughs> Which, by the way, once I get my PhD, you will address me as doctor, probably. Like, I'm gonna make everybody call me doctor constantly. Like, that cost me fucking $60,000. $60,000. People are just gonna call me doctor all the time. If I actually start doing that, it will get weird. That's true. <laughs> yeah, it does sound kind of kinky when I actually say it out a loud. A little bit. Yeah, well... Anyway, but, um, so, you know, like the outcome is good, but the interim is miserable. Sure. And honestly, I think board games have helped me not go insane <laughs> because, because every graduate student I know, at least in my program, maybe this is just speaking poorly of my program, but we've all dealt with depression. Um, mm -hmm. I've certainly dealt with anxiety for even longer than that, but it's, you constantly feel like you're failing and you don't really know if you're like, doing everything right, and you're just questioning yourself all the time. And when I'm playing board games, those are some of the only times where I'm not thinking about everything that I should be doing, where I'm I'm just happy. Like, I don't have those experiences that often in my day-to-day -day life, except for when I'm doing the work that I hope will eventually be my job. I, I certainly have some joy there, but it's also stressful, and there's no, like, n way to know that I'm 100% doing it correctly. <laughs> um, and I... You know, even if you screw up in a board game, like, the stakes are so low. Because <laughs> I can just enjoy the experience. No, it's a big deal. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm someone who often has a, dif has a difficult time interacting with people in very large groups. It's not that I dislike people. It's that I dislike not knowing what I'm supposed to do when. And the more people you introduce into a situation, the no more difficult it becomes to know when it's expected of me to speak and when it's expected of me to not speak and when it's weird for me to not speak. And there are, you introduce all of these X factors, it just gets very exhausting. But games structure that. Yeah. It's a time when I know exactly what's expected of me when, and there's something very relaxing about that. But then beyond that, you also have the experience of, you know, when I sit down to, you know, when I, well, rather stand up, because this is a game you stand up for. When I stand up for a game of Eclipse, I'm a galactic general. Uh, but it does not matter if I lose the war. Uh, if I sit down to a game of Netrunner, somehow I'm a hacker. I'm programming my way through security software. Uh, but they, or if I play Agricola, I'm a farmer. And if I'm clever enough, I might manage to feed my family. <laughs> and board games have this very strange way of, they, they, they play this trick on us that I think we're totally willing to buy into of giving you this kind of substitute, this task that's substituted in for the real thing. It's not a simulation at all. You know it's not a simulation. But somehow you manage to convince yourself that moving these little wooden parts around is an adequate stand-in for the experience that the game is representing. And that's fun. Yeah. And that's a fun experience to share with your friends. Mm -hmm. Well, and that, that brings me to another major, because, you know... There are also video games, and video games do create communities, they do have a social element to them themselves, but it's something that's always bugged me about video games, that in a video game night, you have everybody sitting on a couch facing a television. Mm -hmm. Whereas at a game night, you have everybody sitting around a table facing each other. It's a small distinction, but I think it matters a lot. You know, I do get kind of 
tired of, of reading articles where they talk about how we're just tired of not interacting with people and we live in this techie society. Like, I, I, I do get sort of tired of hearing that. Maybe it's because we're both sort of millennials. Ish. Are we, I, are we millennials? I think I think by many measures I make the cutoff. I've often seen the cutoff at eighty four, in which case I'm about two years. Okay, then. okay, so fine, we're millennials. Let's just say that. Um, I, I think part of it is because there's this idea that like we're we're millennials, we're ruining society by never talking to each other, looking at our phones all the time, and. So it's almost like they're patting us on the head, like, good for you, you're playing board games now, like, you're not horrible people because mm-hmm. you have this hobby that makes you actually interact with people. And so there's something I find a little eh, about Patronizing that. about some. Yeah, and especially because I grew up with board games. I mean, board games were huge in my house. My mother loves board games. Part of the reason that I really care about accessibility in gaming is because my mom is disabled. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those things that she could always enjoy with us. And something that, you know, certainly partly because she wasn't struggling as... Well, I don't know how to say this. Certainly partly because her mobility was a little better when I was younger. Um, but it was something that she could excel in and feel really successful in. Mm-hmm. And it didn't matter that she might struggle to hold cards, there was a card holder there, and she could still kick all of her asses in Scrabble. My mother is a fucking awesome Scrabble player. Um, Thank God she doesn't know how to use the internet anymore, because she would be horrified to know that I described it that way. She's not a fan of (laughs) cursing. But my mother's a fantastic Scrabble player, has memorized all the two and three letter words, Mm. which is just not fair. And nobody wants to play with you if you do that. (laughs) Um... But games were just such a big part of my life growing up. Mm -hmm. Maybe also because I come from a huge family. I have 13 cousins. And it was just a way for us to to get everybody together and interact in a way that wasn't exhausting. Like, you know how hard it can be sometimes. I love my grandparents. But you don't have a lot of common ground. You you can sit down to a game of dominoes and everybody can enjoy that experience together. Well, and this is something that I had been thinking about, about board games, is that uh, one major advantage board games have as a social activity is if you are working with people with whom you don't have a lot of common ground, board games generate common ground. Oh, yeah. Because you you have shared struggles, you have shared experiences, you uh, you have shared goals. All, All of these things are these are what relationships are made out of, and board games create them. Board games can teach you, can bring out the best in people, can teach you what people's talents are that you didn't know. I wouldn't know some of my friends are so funny until we played Fun Employed together. Oh, yeah. Oh, God, no. And, you know, some people, like, you're incredible at remembering song lyrics. I know that. (laughs) I know that because we play Encore together. And you're amazing at it. I am incredible at remembering seven song lyrics in a row. Well, that's Try to get me to sing the entire song. That's all it takes. You kill everybody at that game. That is a fun game. Uh, Hive makes me feel, like, awesome about myself because I can crush anybody in Hive. I still haven't played you in Hive. Oh, I bet I'm going to crush you. I bet, based on my experience playing uh, the Duke with you, I'm imagining that, yes, you would crush me in Hive. And, like, that's... Obviously, that also makes me feel good about myself, but but every game kind of can has the opportunity to surprise you, and the surprise not is not necessarily coming from the game, it's coming from your friends. 
and I think this is something great games do, is great games give people an opportunity to be incredible. They also do sometimes bring out the worst in people. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, man. Let's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it will Let's be a thing. Let's never talk about diplomacy will, again. <laughs> but it will be a thing worth exploring. It, it, Certainly. It is, it is absolutely a feature of how games act on us socially. Yeah. I feel like we should also mention another reason we wanted to create this podcast was so our spouses didn't have to listen to our conversations <laughs> so that people who might actually enjoy listening to our conversations, because we, we would have these conversations whether or not we we're going to start doing a podcast. No doubt. And I should also mention, we don't have any experience doing podcasts before. I guarantee we're going to fuck up at some point. <laughs> no doubt. 100% guarantee. Um, but these are conversations that bring us joy, too. Mm-hmm. And hopefully there are other people out there who also get joy out of listening to these conversations. Uh, that is the hope. Presumably, if we find this interesting, somebody else probably does. And if not, at least uh, we're enjoying a lovely conversation in my closet, which... <laughs> <laughs> we have an outlet to, to give our to give our uh, spouses some relief from this. Exactly. So yeah. it's for our marriages. We're doing this... This is to save our marriages. For our marriages. <laughs> Yeah. That's why the next time we go to Geekway, we should take our spouses so they can entertain each other. Right. While we play games, they could maybe go to the the city museum yeah. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So other topics that we might talk about are things like how to create, how to cultivate a board game collection. I know that we wanted to talk about issues of other things <laughs> <laughs> dealing with reluctant gamers dealing with drunk gamers uh finding time to play games when life gets busy uh yeah that's probably fine i definitely want to devote an entire episode to drunk gaming because drunk i game. feel like i've never heard that discussion before and it's so relevant to our yeah it, it, it comes up but only as a and by the way don't play this game with drunk people but uh you know what games can you play with drunk people and how do you handle games where people drink what games can you teach to drunk people yes that's a whole discussion it is a whole discussion i i don't know about you but uh two of my favorite things are drinking and board gaming and they are better when you combine them oh man as soon as i'm done with my applications for internship <laughs> i'm gonna get some cognac up in this closet Woohoo. <sighs> Yeah, well, uh, is there anything else we should cover? No, I think that about lays out the mission. Um, I, th- we've we've uh, established a number of themes that hopefully will continue to develop. And Cool. Well, um, this has been a lovely conversation. It has been, thank you. Yes, I always enjoy it. Next time, I'm also going to have beer. <laughs> Not tonight. No, I was just feeling a little parched. I see, I see. No, yeah. that's, it's good to stay hydrated. I spend, yeah, I spend a lot of the day talking to a 14-year-old, so my my voice is tired. Surprisingly, I didn't talk much today. Really? Yeah, that's actually part of the reason why I'm probably in a good mood. Man, when I, I would lose my voice all the time when I was teaching. You learn to speak from the diaphragm, and that helps a lot. Yeah, I got better at it over the year, but... Unfortunately, I can't break the habit right now, so this is about as quiet as I get. It was great when you officiated my wedding. <laughs> That was a lot of fun. I we had so much fun. <laughs> I have a great picture of you and me and Austin um, on Facebook, and you're kind of in the foreground, mm-hmm. and I'm in the background. I was pretty proud of those pictures. Yeah, they're beautiful. I'm really excited about them. You guys looked great, of course. I keep going over and like looking at them all again, and again, and again. <laughs> yeah, that was a really fun wedding. 
it was a fun wedding. Although there were no board games. I thought there would be, but there's I, so I, much stuff to do. I was not at all surprised that that didn't happen. There was so much to do. I was do. ready in case it did, but I wasn't yeah. going to force the issue. Yeah, I mean, not like we had a boring time. No. No, we certainly did not. Yeah. Let's let's go ahead and wrap this up, but be sure to tune in next time. We're going to be talking about some Halloween-themed games in anticipation of the holiday coming up. Uh, but until next time, I'm Gina. And I'm John. We wish you good friends. Good games. And goodbye. goodbye. <laughs> What's so funny? It's really cheesy. I don't know if that's bad. I don't know if that's bad though. Well, we'll sound how dorky. We'll see how dorky you sound. Should we? Should we try a more subdued goodbye? goodbye? Yeah. All right. Uh, until next time, we wish you good friends, good games, and goodbye. goodbye. Well, let's go ahead and cut it off for right now. We can see if we can 